Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent Meta Strategy Digital Symposium and features a conversation I had with Kevin Stein. Kevin's the Chief of Applied Cybersecurity Division at NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technologies Information Technology Laboratory, or ITL. He's also NIST's Chief Cybersecurity Advisor and Associate Director of Cybersecurity in the ITL. In this role, he leads NIST collaborations with industry, academia, and government. And in our conversation today, we discuss the evolution of the cybersecurity landscape and the frameworks being adopted to manage this risk. Kevin talked specifically about the NIST cybersecurity framework, the new updates the organization rolled out recently, and why global alignment is important to help U.S. businesses remain competitive in global markets. Finally, he talks about the future of cybersecurity, how companies are implementing better risk management measurement capabilities, and why the introduction of quantum computing can pose a real threat to organizations. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Kevin, welcome to, to, uh, to our conference. It's so great to see you. I, I've certainly enjoyed in getting to know Kevin, the expansive view that he has, representative of the ecosystem and company that he keeps. Uh, and and the the numerous leaders uh, who who he works with to help them uh, uh, ensure that they are current in terms of their cybersecurity initiatives and uh, their posture. Uh, Kevin, it's wonderful to see you. Thank you so much for making time for this audience. Absolutely, thanks so much for having me, Peter. And and because I'm from the government, we do have a lot of acronyms, so yeah, you noted that in my bio. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. Well, many of you, many many who joined us would be familiar with the NIST framework. It's one that I featured uh, prominently, in fact, in my uh, uh, my most recent book, Getting to Nimble. I think it's so important in these complicated times to have have a framework of some sort. NIST being, I think, one of the better ones uh, to ensure that you have an expansive view. You get your arms around what it means to. Uh, uh, to have a better approach to cybersecurity in an ever-evolving and comp complex scenario that that entails. And I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the evolution of your own thought process as somebody who has uh, previously been a CISO at the, uh, at the FDA, somebody who's, again, been a, a leader at NIST uh, for, for more than a decade and a half. Um, one of the things in a recent conversation you mentioned to me was an emphasis on risk management and risk-based approaches rather than just compliance, that it's important to have this kind of philosophy uh, in place in order to, to uh, be a better custodian to, to, to that which you need to need that needs to remain secure. Talk a bit about your thought process there, if you would. Yeah, happy to. So look, I, we believe that every organization manages risks every day, whether those are financial or operational, safety, reputational, compliance, that list goes on and on. And you know, quite honestly, cybersecurity is just another type of risk that organizations need to manage uh, alongside all the others. And I think at the same time, every organization, and I certainly experienced this when I was the, the CISO at FDA and certainly in our interactions with you know, many across government and within industry as well, every organization has unique missions and business objectives. You have different risk tolerances. And quite many times, we all operate in different regulatory environments as well. Our focus at NIST is very much on a risk management approach. We believe that's the most effective way for organizations, whether you're a for-profit, whether you're a nonprofit, uh, a government agency at any level. Um, that approach really helps to account for your uniqueness and really align your key cybersecurity outcomes and priorities with your mission and your business objectives. Now, I wanna be clear, I mean, compliance is important and, and in many cases it's a necessary area uh, for many of our organizations. Um, but we believe compliance you know, can be achieved through 
or really as a byproduct of a strong enterprise, effective cybersecurity risk management approach, really a broader enterprise risk management approach. Um, and I think many of the resources we produce in this, like the framework that you mentioned, uh, really seek to help equip organizations to better manage that cybersecurity risk in that organizational context. Yeah, very interesting. Um, you also noted, I, I know that the, the framework is itself being adopted to a much greater extent internationally in addition to domestically. And I wonder if you could share some observations, um, you know, as, you, as you've also become involved uh, uh, to a greater extent in some of the broader uh, implementations of the framework. What are some of the, what, what, what have you observed uh, as that expansion has taken place? Yeah, so I think a few things. I mean, one, we've been thrilled with the international uptake of the framework since it was first released in 2014. I mean, that that continues to be a significant area of emphasis for us, that international uh, outreach and engagement. I think just within the last few weeks, we hosted a an initial workshop to launch, really launch our update to the framework. We're calling it CSF 2.0. Um, and it was exciting to see about 4,000 individuals participate in that one-day uh, workshop. But perhaps even more interesting was that there were 100 different countries, actually over 100 different countries that participated. Uh, now, some of those could be onesie, twosie participants from a nation, uh, industry, or government. But in some cases, we had you know in the hundreds of participants from other nations. And that really speaks to Kind of that international resonance of the framework in all of these different ways, both on the government and the industry side. Um, I think you know the the cybersecurity framework is standards based. It provides a standards based approach, and I think standards are core to everything we do at NIST. I think as we've talked about before, standards is in our middle name at NIST. Uh, so the CSF really helps to shine a pretty bright spotlight on the use of cybersecurity standards. And we receive feedback frequently that this idea of global alignment is critically important to help do things like avoid confusion and duplication of effort, um, even conflicting expectations in global business environments, and even you know really helping U.S. businesses be much more competitive in global markets. Um, that's certainly near and dear to our core mission and really our purpose at NIST as a part of the Department of Commerce. I, I think the importance of international standards in the framework has been widely recognized, and we're We've seen many countries and even in other international entities adopt or adapt the framework uh, because it's it's compatible with those international standards that they seek to use first. It's not necessarily that they, as some nations, use the NIST cybersecurity framework because it's a U.S.-issued resource, but rather being able to point to and leverage an international resource that aligns and is harmonized with the cybersecurity framework is critically important. Yeah, very interesting. Um, as as I as I think about some of the case examples you've sh shared with me, one of the ones that was very compelling was Saudi Aramco. Talk about uh, international adoption at an organization of enormous scale. I wonder if you could share a little bit uh, of the of an overview of of that use case that you've you've broadcast through your website as well uh, to highlight some of the ways in which it's being being used internationally in a large complex organization like that one. Yeah, happy to. So when we, we first launched the cybersecurity framework, you know, we decided to where organizations were willing to share their story of why they what the challenge they were facing, uh, what value proposition they saw in the cybersecurity framework, and then share a little bit about their journey and the impact that that, that use of the framework had on addressing their cybersecurity challenges. We decided to pursue uh, pursue those opportunities. And we call those what we, we refer to them as success stories. And certainly one of those 
uh, came from Saudi Aramco. And I think in the case of Saudi Aramco, they really talked about you know, both a few challenges and a few opportunities that came out of using the framework. I think they certainly expressed uh, challenges that many organizations of, of all shapes and sizes would around having a, a language that is understandable about cybersecurity at all levels of the organization, kind of from the proverbial C-suite and board of directors down to the bits and bytes folks in the data center and everything in between. Uh, so they certainly talked to that challenge. But I also talked to, given the nature of their business, and I'm sure many organizations that are participating today, this resonates with, is that not all of us are just information technology shops. You know, we many of us have operational technologies. Think of, you know, the, the power providers or, you know, control system environments and, and operators like that. So you have this mixed environment of IT and OT or operational technologies, and certainly Saudi Aramco had that as well. And like we talked about before, uh, given their mission and, and kind of the, their footprint in the space, they had to be prepared to comply with both national and international rules and regulations and really demonstrate how they could incorporate those cybersecurity best practices uh, as a means to express their cybersecurity capabilities. And they saw value in the cybersecurity framework as helping to uh, address all of those challenges that they observe within their organization, as well as how they interact with others outside of their organization, whether it's partners or suppliers or or overseers in one way or the other. So their success story really talks about their journey and using the framework to help address those challenges and the way it worked out very positively for them. That's interesting. Talk a bit about your own recommendations in terms of measuring the effectiveness and, and ongoing maturity of cybersecurity efforts across different kinds of, of entities. Yeah, this is definitely a hot topic. It's one that certainly has come up in our discussions on the, the framework update you know, to 2.0. And it's always one that gets quickly into the merits of qualitative and quantitative approaches to, to measures and metrics. Um, and, you know, it, it, as a measurement organization, this does at our core is a measurement organization. Um, so th this is an area that we do focus a lot on, although I will say it's a hard problem. I think if it was an easy problem, you know, we or, or others in the community would have kind of cracked that one a long time ago. Uh, so it's something that we just given the nature of cybersecurity, we continue to focus on alongside many others. Every organization wants to kind of gain and maintain that, that maximum value and effect for the resources that you're expending in cybersecurity. That's the same for government agencies as it, as it is for, I'm sure, organizations of all sizes in, in the private sector as well. I mean, if I'm investing a dollar in cybersecurity today, am I getting you know, equal or, or greater return on that tomorrow? Am I more secure today than I, than I was yesterday? And I think importantly, how am I compared to my peers? Those are all hard questions to answer. Our focus at NIST is, is I guess, in, in a couple of different ways. One, help to better equip organizations to more purposefully and effectively measure cybersecurity activities, kind of the effectiveness of their activities, so that they can then better manage cybersecurity risks that they identify. So through our suite of kind of technical guides, we're trying to incorporate more measurement capabilities. Some of those are very specific bits and bytes level measures and metrics. Uh, some of those get a little bit harder when you're talking about that composition issue of those lower level technical measures and how do those translate into things that will actually resonate at, at the board level um, or at your, your senior executive level. Still a work in progress. There's just as much a research opportunity that it is as it is a, an applied space today. Uh, we look forward to continuing to collaborate with folks on that one. Yeah, very interesting. I would love your your thoughts about this this uh, emerging topic, investment in post quantum encryption. Certainly, maybe not something that's relevant, uh, you know, next week, but something that that uh, perhaps in the not too distant future will be. But what what are your thoughts there? 
I think if folks take nothing else from this, this few minute discussion we're having is that it is time to start thinking about post-quantum cryptography and transitioning to algorithms when they are available and standardized. I mean, our role at NIST, I mean, we, we constantly try to look to the future to anticipate the needs of US industry and society as a whole. And when they're built, quantum computers that are powerful enough to break present day encryption are going to pose a serious threat to the systems and the data that require encryption today. We know that to be a fact. Over the last six years, we've run a, a very open process that's involved NIST cryptographers as well as leading cryptographers from around the world, perhaps from some of your organizations or organizations you work with. Um, and we did recently, within the last you know eight weeks, six, eight weeks or so, we did recently announce our selection of the first group of algorithms that are designed to withstand a future quantum computer. And we know the, these are going to be these algorithms will become part of a, a NIST post-quantum crypto standard, which we're expected to put out within the next two years. We're going through that process now, and it takes time. That standardization process is going to take time, but I, I think it, as will the process for you know, technology and product developers and service providers to then integrate those new algorithms that have been standardized into the products and services that you all are using within your organizations. But it's important that while those activities are occurring, it's it's imperative that folks start to prepare now for that upcoming transition. That doesn't mean start deploying algorithms. There's still there's still work that has to be done there to prepare them for that eventual deployment. But you should be thinking about the transition now, beginning to do things like taking inventory of what data you have to protect, what you what you're using to encrypt that data today, how long you need to protect it through encryption. So that you have that inventory so that when the products and services, the products are available that use these post-quantum kind of crypto ready algorithms, that you'll be able to transition a little bit more gracefully and smoothly. And we have some efforts that are underway now working very closely with many in the industry to prepare, if you will, toolkits and blueprints to help guide that process along. So I look forward to sharing more of that as that becomes available. And Kevin, to just in brief, as we're, we're nearly out of time, uh, if if uh, folks who are in attendance wish to collaborate with NIST or or find out more, what what what's uh where where might they go in order to do so? Certainly, you can visit nist.gov/cybersecurity. That'll take you to a, a great landing page that will can then branch out to a lot of different uh, uh, priority areas for us. Um, that will include also many different ways for stakeholder engagement, whether that's commenting on many of our resources, which we really value. Uh, those public comments and feedback to help inform and improve them, but also other collaboration opportunities where we can kind of roll up our sleeves together and work on some of these challenging areas that affect uh, not only different sectors, but certainly the nation and the world as a whole. Wonderful. Well, Kevin Stein, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the great work that you and your team do, the very important work that you do. Um, so so uh, grateful also that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to join us uh, today as well. Hey, thanks so much, Peter. I appreciate it.